Let's have a talk. Team Airbnb. Welcome, friends. I am so excited to bring you my first Zoom interview today. Well, you won't see any video since it's a podcast, but I recorded it on Zoom, a place where probably most of us are spending a whole lot more time these days. And I eased into my Zoom interview, into the interview process in general. I asked two good friends to join me. We call ourselves, as you already heard, Team Airbnb, because we shared an Airbnb together each time that we had to fly to the East Coast for our speaking program that we enrolled in last year. And it's interesting when I think back, the first time we actually met in person was in an Airbnb. That first night, we had connected online and we just agreed to share the place for cost efficiencies, but we didn't know each other. And then it worked out so well that the following three times, we also roomed together. And let me tell you, we roomed. Sometimes we couldn't get a nice three-bedroom place, so we shared even smaller places together. But you may wonder, what was it that worked out so well? And I've wondered myself many times. We're all very different people with different interests and ideas about the world. But I think you'll get an idea on this interview why we jived so well together. What made this connection work so well was what I would describe as openness. We were all open to one another. And openness is just a starting point. It brings along so much more. When you're open, and with that I mean open-minded, open-hearted, open-spirited, then you're accepting of the differences of the other person. You're also more willing to be vulnerable yourself and show yourself as who you are. And you respect the other person for who he or she is. And when you listen to this interview, this is a quality I see all three of us have. We all had different routines, different needs, different opinions, and yet we made it work each time. Every morning, we walked together to our training, stopped for coffee along the way, and then we dispersed each in our own direction and with other people. And at the end of the day, we all came together again after we all did what we needed to do. It was never forced. We respected one another. We were not afraid to talk about what we needed which at the same time sets boundaries, so it's important, while still remaining flexible and willing to compromise on the things that mattered. It was a very unique way of meeting someone new and forming a friendship, and I'm grateful to have these two amazing people still in my life, even after this program is over. Knowing that we can room together, even in Barat's former tiny apartment in New York, where we stayed one time, is certainly a way to know we get along and we're there for one another. And on this interview, you'll hear what makes these two people so special and why they are so open, respectful, and unafraid to be vulnerable. Our upbringing certainly shapes our life, but it's also what we do with it. And I also hope it shows you that you don't need to look a long time to make great friends. Sometimes it requires just a leap of faith. Like we all took when we decided to share a roof for a few days. And then simply be yourself. Open and not afraid to show who you are. Mallory's takeaway at the end still sits in my mind and I won't spoil it for you. But I will say this. When you love yourself. When you're open and generous and kind and forgiving with yourself. Then the people with those characteristics will also come into your life. As always, start with you. This is the goal of this podcast and I hope that this is also what you will take away, among many other things, from this wonderful conversation with my two friends, Barat and Mallory. And I would be deeply grateful if you share this conversation with some of your friends. I will link to some of the resources that we mentioned in this interview in the show notes, but please check out Mallory's Skillshare course that she made available for all of you for free 
until the end of this month, so you have a couple of weeks to access it. Please do so. I will link to it and also all the other things that we talked about in this interview in my show notes. So please check it out and enjoy this wonderful conversation. Much love. Barat and Mallory, my fellow roomies from our speaking program, thank you so much for doing this crazy thing here with me. You are my first Zoom interview. I started doing interviews, I don't know, months ago, and I did them all in person. I thought I'd found my niche for podcasts. I I get to meet all these interesting people in person and expand my grow my community here in the Bay Area, and now we're stuck at home. So, but this is a good thing also because I can interview anyone I want. We're like, mm. we're taking your taking your Zoom interview cherry here. Yeah. I used to have a podcast and I did most of my interviews via Zoom, actually, way back when. That was a few years ago. Before everybody was like all on Zoom and their, and their grandma. What was your podcast about? It's still, you can still listen to it. It's called Badass Creatives. So it was a, it was like marketing advice and sort of creative entrepreneur advice. So I did some solo episodes where I talked about different, you know, marketing strategies and creative conferences and things for artists. And then I had a lot of different interviews with a diverse mix of artists and creatives and fashion designers and all sorts of people. Why'd you stop? Um, well, I stopped around the time that my whole life fell apart and that I, my full-time job became a part-time job all of a sudden, like two days after I decided to leave my partner of 15 years. So that was kind of, that kind of threw a wrench in things. Like I'd already had some episodes recorded that I went ahead and got out. And those are the last episodes that if you look at it, it just kind of drops off randomly. And I've been meaning to start a new podcast, kind of similar, but slightly different like concept and everything. I just, there's only so many hours in the day. So Mm -hmm. maybe at some point I'll have a new podcast again. I've been doing more teaching and video stuff lately instead. Yeah, I saw that Skillshare video and that I have open, just haven't watched it. What is the goal? What's the goal with that? With Skillshare or with, with teaching in with, general? Just with the teaching and the videos, what, what do you hope to get out of that? Um, well, I really enjoy teaching. That's part of why I also enjoy speaking. Um, and so the Skillshare video or the Skillshare class you mentioned is my newest one. So I had released a few marketing related Skillshare classes in the last couple of years. And then the, the newest one is on self-compassion which feels even more timely and appropriate these days. But self-compassion is something that I kind of learned coming out of that whole my life falling apart situation. So I thought it would be helpful to teach it. But yeah, I've been wanting to do more of those Skillshare classes because I just feel like, why should all of the information live in my head if it can help other people? And I'm also about to start teaching a class on digital marketing for Tulane University. So that's what I've been working on today is filming filming videos for that class. Wow, nice. You already talked a little bit about what you're doing, but do you want to just give me like a quick formal intro? Sure. I'm Mallory Whitfield. I live in New Orleans, Louisiana, and I have a background in digital marketing and creative entrepreneurship. And I used to sell at art markets and craft shows and all those things and sort of learned marketing through the course of all that. And then through the course of the speaking program that the three of us participated in together, I was started working on developing some new content, which also kind of ties in with self-compassion. I wrote a one-person show that I premiered last summer called Towards Together. It was originally called Embrace Your Weird, but I changed the name because Felicia Day, the actress, has a book that came out called Embrace Your Weird. So, mm. but mm. Towards Together is it's about diversity and inclusion and belonging and learning to embrace the things that are different about us so that we can embrace the things that are different about other people too. Barat, do you want to give a little intro? A formal one? No. 
Informal. Oh, goodness. <laughs> <laughs> well, I am Bharat Nain. Uh, my background is in technology, mostly as a software developer, software engineer, um, and engineering manager, more so in the last five years. I am passionate about all things digital, uh, building software, websites, robots, and so on. I spent most of my life volunteering for First Inspires, which is a nonprofit that helps kids get into science and technology. So I've run events across the U.S. and then across the world in Mexico, in Turkey, in Australia, and that's uh, it's really fulfilling work. Apart from that, I speak on company culture, kind of drawing lessons from the engineering world and the robotics world. Currently, I'm an engineering manager at this company called Essential, which is in the uh, business of business intelligence and uh, and data. Yeah, we are all very different people. And it always has fascinated me how we just ended up being roomies because probably, well, I want to say it was maybe because of financial reasons, right? We needed to stay in the speaking program and all the places around there were expensive. So... <laughs> We checked out Airbnbs and we we roomed together, but I think it worked out really well. And uh, we, um, yeah, we got along really, really well. And I got a lot out of it. I, for me, it was it was uh, just a just a very good experience to to meet people that are very different from who I am, and I learned a lot. So I think different is kind of what is the word that describes our friendship and all of us. And Mallory, this is kind of your your theme, right? Being different, but still being able to come together, even though we are so different. Yeah, well, I think I think like everybody's different, right? Like even if you have people that on the surface seem to be similar or the same, when you really start digging in and get curious and like have deeper conversations with people, you start to realize like we all have certain things about us that either we felt like we're weird compared to other people or we've been told we're weird or we've been told we're different. But like we all have things that that are different, but then we all have similarities. And so there's this kind of like back and forth sort of like Venn diagram. And I think that's the beauty of humanity. And I think it's so much fun to be able to be curious and explore the beautiful differences and the beautiful similarities with people and realize like, even if people seem different on the surface, like in so many ways, the three of us seem very different, but then we have a lot in common too, once we actually start having those conversations. And I think it's like that in general, you know, you hear stories about people like y'all have both traveled much more extensively, I think, than I have. And both of you have like lived in other countries. And I think you hear that a lot with people who have traveled extensively. It's like, even if you go someplace and you think somebody has such a different lifestyle, once you start actually having conversations, you realize you have the same basic human needs and emotions and things that you care about mm -hmm. at a deeper level. I think that's so cool. It actually happens to me a lot. Like through my meetup, for example, I meet people sometimes quite a bit older than me. And you think, oh man, I have probably nothing to relate to with this person. And then you get into a conversation and you, there's always something that you have either in common or you can talk with one another. Yeah, I find the same thing. We are on the surface different. I like how you said that. But what got you into this? I mean, you've made this different thing kind of your your signature right is a little bit like your signature now how did you get there yeah I mean I think growing up like so I grew up in South Mississippi on the Mississippi Gulf Coast and like going to school on the surface I think I looked like most of the kids I went to school with right like I'm, you know, a white Southern girl, and most of the other people at my school looked very similar to me, but I always felt different. Like the way that my brain works, the things that I was interested in, it, it, it was different than other people. And I just like, I felt sort of alien, like I felt sort of different. Um, and because of that, my journey through school and my career has sort of been non-traditional as well. 
And this idea of like being sort of the odd one out, being the weird one, I think is what drew me to other groups of people that in many ways have felt alienated or felt different and sort of feeling an empathy and feeling a compassion and feeling a similarity with people. And that's sort of what's drawn me into this idea of like diversity and inclusion work, because there are so many you know, groups of people where there's these like systems and structure of power that, that put one group of people arbitrarily above another group of people, whether it's based on gender or race or, you know, ec economic like classism and things like that. Like there's all of these different ways that we try to put people into all of these boxes and see just the surface level differences instead of digging into the deeper humanity of what actually makes us the same. And I think having felt so different and, and alienated for just like the way that my brain works, it's like, I want to break the systems of power and I want to shake it all up and change the world. Like that's the thing <laughs> that I want to do. <laughs> I love that. I love that. And I actually admire that about you. I, I always thought you're so courageous. You you don't care what people think. At least it looked like you don't. And I am always so concerned. What does everyone think of me? Like I'm looking in the background and you have the drag <laughs> picture there. And I remember your, your show and you're stepping on stage at the karaoke bar as chair. And uh, I just I just thought, wow, she has so much courage. It takes a lot of courage to be openly different. Yes, and I think... I think to some extent, because of the expectations that we have from society, I think it can take courage to be yourself. But I think to be anything other than yourself, to try to live your life and waste the hours and days of your life living as somebody else or some expectation that somebody else has for you, like, I don't have the courage to do that. Like, that feels like torture to try to spend my whole life trying to pretend to be like somebody I'm not I don't know maybe maybe that's my superpower and I feel blessed and privileged that I'm naturally that way but when I see people who that doesn't come naturally to them I'm just like how can I help unleash that because it makes me so sad to see people who feel like they have to try to pretend to be somebody that they're not or try to act in a way that is that is different than who they are on the inside. <laughs> I just think it's our, and I could be wrong, but I, I, I think that it's our tendency as humans to try to fit in. We want to be liked and we want to be accepted by everyone. And, and I think that's where this comes from. And, 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 and by doing that, by trying to be accepted, we, we kind of suppress a little bit our authenticity because we want to be liked. So we do things that we think that other people like. Yeah, but it ends up backfiring, right? Like I, I have a whole section in my full one person show where I talk about this. Like one of the whole points is about authenticity. And I think there's, you know, these things that we do, these sort of airs that we put on or like masks that we wear to try to fit in. But in doing so, we come off as fake. And I think people sort of like, naturally like they don't want to be around people who seem fake right like we judge celebrities when like oh that like they seem like they're like fake or whatever like we kind of end up having this sort of natural aversion to it because there's something that feels like they're lying to us and we don't want people to lie to us and so by being somebody that's inauthentic it's like giving that reaction to somebody and it's it's such a like crazy double-edged sword I don't know. Hmm. I like crave authenticity from, from myself and from other people. And I'm always trying to figure out for myself, like how to peel back the onion layers and unlearn what society has taught me versus what I in my gut know to be true. Bharat, I remember us walking down the street somewhere in New Hope or Lambertville. I don't remember. One of those towns that are very close together separated by a river and a bridge that we've crossed many times <laughs> last year and you telling us a story or me I don't remember if you were there Mallory but how it was difficult for you growing up in was it upstate New York 
Uh, in New Jersey. New Jersey. Because you were different. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Sure. I think I had a very different, unique upbringing. I spent the first 10 years of my life in Nigeria and then the subsequent few between India and Sri Lanka. And then finally came to the U.S. So I kind of was stuck in this uh, coming from a very Eastern uh, religious and uh, this culture where you were priced and rewarded for being conservative and being safe. And you kind of had to, especially in Nigeria, you kind of had to. To America, which I found to be this place of that was far more open, had a sense of experimentation, uh, a sense of practicality, you know, with easy access to, at least back then, information and education. So all those themes were quite a bit to get adjusted to for for me when I first came here. And what do you remember was uh, were some of the difficulties with that? Maybe in school, do you remember certain experiences? Yeah. I came I came here in high school, freshman year, and walking into school the first day was just a huge culture shock. And it was everything. It was from how people talked to uh, what they wore to just sort of this casual nature that school was compared to an Eastern uh, school where you wear a uniform and you're super disciplined and you make sure you show up to class on time. I mean, here... Here, too, you show up to class on time, but there it was a big problem if you didn't show up on time. It was all those little things that, that stuck out to me, and I found myself trying to figure out how do I adjust what this, what does this new culture mean? What, this, uh, what are the rules here? What are the new rules? Mm -hmm. So uh, it was a lot. And then on top of that, the, the layer that is the, the social layer of connecting with other people and making friends that was even harder because clearly to others, at least the way I felt is they would look at me and they would find out that I'm this guy who doesn't fit in here. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the truth is I didn't. Uh, and now as an adult, I know that was okay. But as a child, I had no idea. And I struggled to make some friends. And the friends I did make were, uh, <laughs> they were teenage kids who were having way too much fun. You know, so it's sort of the, we would sit at the lunch table and just sort of crack jokes at each other, which was a very foreign concept to me in that way. So it was a huge adjustment. So I'm trying to figure out what's wrong with having too much fun. You know, it, there's nothing wrong with that. That's true. Uh, but it was the type of fun that I was not used to, especially the sort of vulgar sexual jokes mm. that in Eastern culture you would consider very taboo and when I came here it was like oh these are no longer taboo topics in fact it's it's open it's on tv it's everywhere mm -hmm. it's uh you know sex sells and that's on a billboard everywhere which is new to me it you know it I was I was sheltered I would say from all of that and how do you think this affected you in in later years this change this new way did it give you much more like oh now i can let loose and be free too or did you kind of like look at it and not like it you know i don't know i, I would say most of the impact has been very positive in that at least thinking about high school schools here have a, a much more practical approach compared to in india and nigeria and some of it was just resources and money It was kind of impossible to have a, a chemistry lab with all the, the goodies to run experiments with versus over here. So I really enjoyed those aspects. It really helped me grow. And socially, it, it, it took me a few years. It took me until really college to really find my own voice, even as a, as a young adult. But I think there were more options than what there would have been if I was just in the environment that, that I was in before. Mm. Yeah, I, I have a similar, I mean, not comparable, of course, but 
I'm also a foreigner that came to this country. I was already an adult, but I have a similar experience with the American culture to what you described, um, where I just experienced Americans as so casual. And I came from Germany, which you think, you know, not a lot of difference in the culture, but, but still, you know, a little uptight those Germans and uh, I came here and I, I remember everybody was so casual and hello and how are you and it was just like I remember not knowing what to say I, not knowing how to answer how are you I remember sitting with I came in as a pair so there were other girls from Germany there too and we would be sitting and we would literally think about okay what do you think they want us to say should we say what, how should we answer when somebody says, how are you? Do they really want to know how we are? Or do, do we just, is that, so we had to learn this concept of small talk that this does not exist in German culture. <laughs> so funny you say that, because I've been to Germany a few times and I've had to readjust to the old self that I was when I was there. Oh, like, yeah. oh if so... I'm going to say something, I have to be pretty direct. Now I understand. <laughs> I really have to say I like it. I I like it. It makes it it makes for easier connection with people. Even though for me personally, I've always struggled a little bit connecting with the people in this country. But that could have been me. I think it's now over the years has become easier. I I think maybe that was just me being German and not being able to open up. I don't know. So, Barat, one of the things I always admire about you is your and not that's not just me, by the way, you know, HPS, a lot of people commented on how kind and generous and warm hearted you are, you, you know, you make us you make people smile, you have a positive demeanor, even in really dire situations, at least a few that I've experienced with you not dire, but, you know, challenging situation, you always have a, a positive outlook. Where does that come from? Oh, big question. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's context. And I'll go back to high school just because we were there and my mind is there. But I think it, it helps answer some of this this question. One of the things that would really annoy me when I was in high school is I would hear people complain about things like, oh, my pencil isn't sharpened or I can't find the shirt at the store. And I was used to living in a world of scarcity to some extent. And I was used to living in a world where the, there were big problems, you know, such as in Nigeria, where your life could be in danger on a regular basis if you're not careful. So when I came here, it, I somehow, I don't know what had, what kept that context, what helped me keep that context, but I would think about those things and go, yeah, the pencil doesn't really matter. Just give me a blade. I'll sharpen it for you. Like it, 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 was the, it was a little thing to me. And I think that just that, that, that ability to keep that context and, and sort of grow up with the, the big picture in mind, it really helped me be grateful for whatever was happening around me. And it's a lot, you know, a lot of things have, have molded me into, into like that specific thing you mentioned that's warmth. Um, I, I don't even know where to start. <laughs> <laughs> But, but I would say that, you know, that just the, the larger context, the big piece around, around that and just sort of realizing that no matter how things, how bad things are, it, you know, you have the ability to choose what you focus on and you have the ability to look at something else in, in your life that is working or just the ability to, to say that I can breathe and that's it. You know, even something as simple as that could help get you out of, uh, out of a, a panic situation. So I, I have just been able to keep that with me at all times. And the second piece uh, of warmth for me, at least is uh, it's just this, this, this thing that I've developed, which is to be open, to be vulnerable to people. And especially those who are willing, you know, who I think are willing to open up as well. Cause I think that's really what keeps a what creates a really deep connection. I don't really think it's the commonalities or the differences. I, I think it's the it's the ability for us to open up and and say, hey, this is the real me. 
as as you and you and Mallory just talked about. It's the ability to say, "This is the real me," and now that you see me, I want to see you too. Which is, I mean, once you're at that level, you've bonded. It's really hard to come out of that. Wow, beautiful! I love that. And I I think those skills probably help you a lot, especially right now in this challenging time, where we all kind of just wondering what's next, probably struggle with this whole uncertainty thing. Do you find that you remain strong right now and focusing on what you have versus what you don't have? I think I'm struggling with the things a lot of other people are struggling with. For me, my job requires me to do a lot of meetings, a lot of online coordination. So I'm on Zoom most of the day and Normally, by Friday, I experience some form of Zoom fatigue where I just cancel all my meetings, which I have done. I, my Fridays are mostly empty, and uh, it's sort of my introvert way of recharging. So that's a, that's a big challenge for me. Uh, you know, obviously, there's the worry about people close to you and people you care about and sort of staying in touch with them. There's also this realization that there's only so much you can do and there's only so much you control around you. And that's what you should, you know, that's what I choose to focus on at least, where it's it's checking in with people, talking to people who, you know, a couple of friend, my friends have been sick. This sort of t staying in touch, saying hello and realizing the value in that alone, it's a lot. Mm. And then the other piece, the thing that I did struggle with in the beginning was I was just watching a lot of news just because no one knew how this was evolving. No one had a clue. So I'd watch the news, I'd get depressed, I would, then at some point I had to kind of re-realize that the news is there to generate clicks. It's there to get you on a piece of content so that they can go to the advertisers and say, look, we have people on our site. And I realized I don't want to be part of that cycle. So I had to streamline that. I've definitely set the boundaries for myself to not be a consumer of negativity And that has helped tremendously. Yeah, I I recorded this on the on my episode today, that released today. This is I'm counting the weeks. This is week seven. This is the best week I've had. It's also the week that I barely looked at any news. And I think mm. I think those two are very correlated. I just I live my day, I live my life, I live within the constraints that there are, but I'm not letting myself to be pulled down by other sources. So so important. Yeah. It's so important. Mallory, how is this time for you right now? How do you experience this? Yeah, well, so as I mentioned, my life sort of got upended a couple of years ago um, in summer of 2018. And I found myself over the last few weeks feeling kind of grateful for what I went through because I feel like I'm very well prepared for this moment in time. So I went from living with somebody else, from working a full-time job in an office, and also um, I had an elderly dog that also died that same month to living and working at home alone. Um, I work at home, I live alone, but luckily where I live is really close to City Park in New Orleans. So I kind of got in this habit when I first moved out on my own, when I was still trying to like figure everything out of going for walks and sometimes runs over there to the park. And I've really been digging into that habit these last few weeks, um, staying you know, physically distant from anybody when I'm out there. But luckily, like it's a big enough park. And I've, I've kind of developed some friendships and relationships with these ancient oak trees that are there. Like it's, <laughs> I hug them and I touch the trees and mm. it's not totally inappropriate. I mean, they are older gentlemen. They're like eight or 900 years old, these, these beautiful oak trees. <laughs> I love it. I saw your picture on Instagram. <laughs> just love it. I feel like I got, like a just, yeah, I'm just obsessed with trees and plants now. That's my new thing. I think we're all coming a little bit closer to nature. I mean, I've been close to nature before, but I think a lot of people are now. If they hadn't yeah. been before, are getting more in touch. Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned a very important point, which I think I've heard from other people mentioning this drawing on past experience you know where have I been through something similarly difficult that I 
know I made it through that now can this this kind of those skills or even just knowing that I made it through back then I'll probably make it through again you know it's very important so what specifically that from your past experience that you mentioned this big transition in your life what did you learn back then that helps you now well I so I think from that moment learning to create like rituals and schedules for myself and sort of mindfulness around what brings me joy or what brings me down. Like Barat mentioned watching news. I kind of was already in the place of like, I generally try to avoid or very, very limit my media intake when it comes to like news and stuff. Um, But other experiences that sort of shifted and altered things that I've been thinking a lot about. So I live here in New Orleans and I grew up on the Mississippi Gulf Coast. So in 2005, we had Hurricane Katrina and the federal levy failures that very much shook up and changed the way that this whole region is. I think about that sort of experience or something like 9-11 and how that changed the way things are in the United States in particular in terms of like travel, for example. Like I didn't do a lot of traveling pre that, but I we all, all sort of, you know, know from the way things were supposedly like you could, the way you went into an airport was very different pre that time than it is now. And I think moving forward out of this, like we're going to have similar kind of shifts and like, we remember the time before coronavirus and everything, but it will never go back to that time in certain ways. Like we're always going to have different, you know, there's probably going to be rules and regulations that come out of this that will last for a very long time. And there's going to be certain like cultural things that are going to last for a very long time. And I also have been thinking a lot about trauma. So the way that trauma lives in the individuals, like in our individual minds and bodies, as well as the way it can be passed on intergenerationally, we are all collectively, the whole world is going through a huge traumatic experience right now. And I think it's important that we are aware of that and that we are mindful to that so that we can start to deal with that and not let that go, you know, unconscious as a collective, because that can then breed more violence and more trauma and more bad things into the future. Mm. So it was mostly the aspect of being or having had this difficult experience and just knowing how to handle it and You mentioned rituals and schedules. Yeah, I mean, the the rituals and schedules are like two very like tangible, actionable sort of things. So for example, even in in the Skillshare class you mentioned that I recorded recently on self-compassion. So one of the exercises that I did in that, like the project at the end is sort of creating a cheat sheet for yourself, like a reminder to yourself about what are the activities or what are the things available to me that bring me joy or help me feel better? Whether it's taking a hot bath with Epsom salts or like baking chocolate chip cookies or, um, you know, like petting a dog or whatever it is. Like, what are the things that bring me joy or help me get out of a funk and creating some sort of cheat sheet or, you know, like list for yourself somewhere so that when you're having those darkest of moments, those darkest of days, you have that thing to refer to and sort of help get yourself back on track. Because it's like, it's really hard sometimes when you are in that like really dark headspace to remember those things and just keeping some sort of reminder for yourself about that. Totally. I was in the car today. I drove to work and I haven't been in my car much. And I, so in, in the habit, I turned music on and I'm like, oh my God, I feel so good. Music, I forgot how good certain music makes me feel. Something so simple. But when I'm around here in my place, I don't ever hardly turn music on. Well, maybe that's what I need to do. Yeah, and maybe like keeping keeping a list of like specific music. Like I have different, I, the queen of Spotify playlists. Like I think I have one that is like feel good or, you know, it's something, it's like the kind of music that is like all in the playlist. Like if I'm ever in a funk, put that on and like that's the music that will lift me up and make me feel better yeah (laughs) that reminds me of the music we played in that one airbnb remember with the bathroom (laughs) it was like it was like 
techno music from the early 90s or something. I went through my Spotify, I think, whatever I could find in there. <laughs> Any specific uh, rituals that, uh, Bharat, that you have that are important to you, that keep you sane during this time right now? Most important, honestly, is meditation. Yeah. I know it sounds generic, but I found that, uh, well, I'm, I'm basically working overtime at the moment because the pandemic is kind of forcing us to readapt our business and push out new things. And it's kind of a fight for survival, which is cool. I'm grateful to have a job. I'm grateful to be on project and, and to have sort of this opportunity to, to keep working and keep doing what I'm doing which I enjoy a lot. The challenge, though, is that the long hours, especially just being online, being on your own, being alone. And I, I found myself losing focus, which was a big struggle. It was that I'd, I'd come online, open my computer, start working, go from one tab to another, suddenly have 30 tabs open, forget what I was I really set out to do. And uh, this kind of happened for a couple of weeks before I figured out that, okay, I need... I need a new way to center myself. So I took steps for that. Uh, I've set aside 10 to 30 minutes a day just to, to sit and meditate before I start the day. And I change it up quite a bit. Sometimes it's just sit in silence and follow a normal meditation practice. And uh, the other thing is just to go and find something new, find a new guided meditation. So I have followed Tara Brock, who is amazing. Uh, followed her YouTube videos. Uh, and recently, I also am really liking Deepak Chopra's three-minute meditation, which if you haven't done it before, it is pretty life-changing. It is just a really short transformational experience that makes you realize that it, what you are at your core. And it takes your mind out of all the nitty-gritty and all the stress, and it just kind of melts away after the at the end of three minutes, which has been magical. So that's one ritual. And the second ritual, which is, again, fundamentals, has been exercise. I am fortunate enough that I'm staying with a friend in Connecticut who works for an essential business in this ginormous warehouse. And it's only three people here. So we have the ability to commute here, be, you know, basically we're in an, in an empty building. And we've set up a, a mini gym with a little workout routine, which we're following every evening. And those two things have have really helped. But also what's helped is just the regular life routines, you know, just sort of having breakfast, I sit, I have some oatmeal, a couple of eggs, just the process of preparing that and, and you know, leaving some space and time for that without diving into work or diving into anything else. That's really helped. And when you and uh, Mallory were talking about, about sort of the music thing, I remembered that our friend Theo he wrote an article at the at the beginning of this whole pandemic about how people forget the things that bring them joy and forget to look at the world from this normal lens. So he suggested that you should, if you go out for a walk, look at nature and go, wow, this is, you know, this is something that's that's normal in the world and it's beautiful. At least that's what I got out of the article. And I, hmm. I looked at it and said, I'm going to do that now, which is really cool. Oh, you have to send me that article. I will. Theo was in the uh, speaking program with us. Speaking of speaking, what are you guys doing right now in terms of anything with speaking, public speaking? I, I listen to a lot of podcasts on speaking and it looks a little gloomy right now for the speaking industry just because major events are canceled and probably will be the last thing that come back up. Anything over maybe 100 people in one room, I don't know. So I think it's kind of a, maybe we have to reinvent ourselves somehow. You, what are you guys thinking? Yeah, I mean, it's, so I, um, I had a couple of events booked prior to this whole thing. I was actually supposed to speak at South by Southwest in Austin for the first time in March. And that got can't the whole event. Um, that was one of the first big, big, big events because South by Southwest is like a huge week and a half long festival and sort of series of different conferences in one. And it draws like, I don't know, a hundred thousand people at least to Austin, probably That's more a than big that. Big deal. 
so it was one of the first major, major huge events to get canceled at the start of all this. So that was like sort of an opportunity out the window, but they've been adapting some of the things to virtual format. Um, my co-presenter for that is actually based in Germany. She's an American based uh, in the military over in Germany. So we haven't recorded a virtual presentation for that yet. But some of the other events that I was scheduled to do, some of them have just canceled. Some of them have gone to virtual. Um, so I actually have a couple of presentations that I'll need to record in the next month or so that are going to be for virtual presentations. And what I've noticed with that, a lot of these virtual presentations, they're shortening the amount of time. So one of the workshops I was supposed to do in June that was originally going to be a conference based in Chicago, that was supposed to be a one-hour format they're asking um, that it be a 30 minute format with about 10 to 15 minutes for live Q&A over like a kind of like a Zoom type conference. So people have shorter attention spans when we're only watching a screen for 30 minutes or an hour versus like actually being there in person. So that's one of the changes. Um, I was actually, our speaking program, Heroic Public Speaking, they've been doing like kind of an online little mini version of stuff. And I hopped on this last week and they were talking about how one of the folks, Andrew Davis, who is amazing, he created this like virtual presentation in the last few weeks. He spent like six weeks doing it and it's almost like a mini movie. I saw a little trailer on LinkedIn yesterday, but he has a whole background in creating television content, producing video and film. And I am really inspired by that because I kind of play around a little bit with some video editing. I've been actually doing a lot of video editing today for class I'm teaching for Tulane University, um, but I don't have nearly the level of like knowledge or skills or equipment to do super intense level video, but I'm sort of looking at this whole opportunity as like, it's a chance to explore. Like same reason I've been taking the time to create some more Skillshare classes because before this, my priority and my focus was trying to book in-person speaking gigs. And now that's sort of off the table, which in some ways is bad, but in some ways it just means there's more room for the other stuff. So I'm just going to dig deeper into the other things that are available to me right now, because I don't see us doing a lot of conference style events anytime soon. I think that's very, very optimistic thinking to think it's going to happen much in the next year, even in my opinion. Yeah, I would agree. I totally would agree. I, I love that. That's a great inspiration. And I mean, I have kind of hunkered down too and focused much more on my podcast and, and the things that I know I, I, I still can do. But you're right, I think this opens the door for other things. And I like the whole workshop. I haven't even thought that way. I haven't, I've thought about live presentations that some people are booking, you know, presentations over zoom but the whole workshop and skillshare kind of avenue that's a that could be a good opportunity so yeah stuff is is good what about what about you Bharat, in terms of speaking well i focused mostly on facilitation past our program so what i've been focused on is just facilitating meetings at work facilitating gatherings conversations i've kind of also used that as a springboard to refine my craft as a coach, which has been a skill set that has uh, given me a lot of ROI really, really fast. So those are those have been the areas I've been focused on, mostly at work because, again, that it, you know, starting a new job and then layering speaking on top is pretty challenging, and then we kind of ran into corona, which sucks. So that's, uh, that's what I've I've been focused on and the results have been great because I find that in workplaces people have a lot of meetings and most of them suck. They're very boring. They're very unproductive. Uh, half of them can probably just be emails. I've been really figuring out how do we get a lot more value out of the 30 minutes or one hour that we are together than we would have if we just came in here with no agenda. And I've been playing with different formats of meetings, different ways to collaborate, uh, different ways for people to feel heard, uh, different ways for them to figure out what is the outcome of this conversation. So that's been that's where my mind has been since heroic public speaking. Great. I didn't I didn't know the coaching avenue for you. It's the first time I heard that. 
one-on-one coaching with people or i mean as a as a manager you're sort of responsible for some amount of coaching and i just doubled down on that because what i found in the organization that i'm in is there's just a lot of people who are uh diamonds in the rough but if they're not forced to rethink the way they do things as an organization we're not going to get the outcome that we want so being able to let them polish a couple of layers a little bit at a time it's it's moving the needle a lot so you do that one on one with them or as an organizational training or mostly one on one yeah nice i do remember you mentioned that when we when you first started that job that there you may you there was, there was some difficulties there for you but it looks like you you turned that around and and really uh, working with it and not against it. Yeah, absolutely. Nice. Well, this has been awesome. I think you both shared like some really cool pieces of wisdom and things that I didn't know. Any last comments? Maybe a takeaway for for people? Something you just want to share to give people on the road? I don't know. I have an idea, and, it, and you even tied it in. But okay, so on the road is a book by Jack Kerouac, who has my very favorite quote of all time. This is the only quote I've ever considered getting tattooed on my body, which I do not have tattooed yet. But we'll see. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the quote is, "Be in love with your life," and what that means to me is like the intentionality around checking in and like, is your life bringing you joy? Like, are you? living in such a way that your life aligns with your values as much as possible. And if not, like, how could you change that? Do you need to change the people around you or do you need to change your job or where you live or, you know, whatever, like be in love with your life. Beautiful. Hmm. I'm going to springboard off that. And my words of wisdom, my two cents are take care of yourself and then take care of others. Mm. Very simple. And I agree. I'm a better person with others when I am doing the things that I need to do to feel well and be good. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you guys. I will link to all your contact information in my show notes. Any, any place in particular that you want to mention that you want people to connect with you. Barat, Instagram? Or? I'm, I'm on Instagram, Barat name, Twitter, Facebook everywhere oh. wherever you need of course you're wherever a digital like. man feel free to connect <laughs> <laughs> mallory i'm also on pretty much all the places i mean I, i've worked in digital marketing for so long but um my website mallorywhitfield.com has links to pretty much all of the places and all of the things and links to videos of my past performances and all sorts of fun <laughs>